Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, y'all, and welcome to another episode of The Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and today we have a great show, which every week we have a great show, let's be honest. But today's a great show because it's first Wednesday in August, and most people in America are probably going to be starting school this month. We have about a week and a half left before my kids go back to school, and it's always bittersweet get back into those routines for school. But today, my guest is here for all of us who have any kind of interaction with teenagers. Now, me as a mom, I have interactions with teenagers every single day because I have four teenagers. Maybe you're a teacher or you're a mentor, or you're a youth group leader, or maybe you have young kids. And this is one day going to be your story with teenagers. Uh, my guest today is Kara Powell. She's the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute and chief of leadership formation at Fuller Theological Seminary. Her book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, released yesterday. And today we dive in to those three big questions and how we as parents and leaders and mentors, how we can come alongside and create good, healthy conversation with our teenagers. In today's show, Kara talks about how teenagers often feel that being heard and being loved are the same. Let that sink in for a minute and how important it is to have empathy in order to ask the right questions. What I know as a mom and uh, from the conversation with Kara today is that teenagers are looking for relationships with adults who don't judge them, but who journey with them through their future. And today, I hope that this conversation spurs on some great conversations with whatever teenager you have in your life. Now, before we jump into Kara's episode, I want to remind you that we had some phenomenal episodes that we launched this summer on the happy hour. Now, if you're anything like me, August means getting back into a routine, which also means getting back into my podcast listening regular rhythms. The summer can be a little bit crazy to try to listen to the podcast that I love. And I'm behind in so many. But I want to tell you, if you're behind on our podcast interviews from this summer, we had a really fun series that I hope we do again. It's called Encounter. And basically... Some of my favorite interviews have been when people have come on the show and shared with us their encounter with Jesus, what happened to their life. They met Jesus and how it was changed forever. And so we decided to do a whole series this summer and had guests come on and literally just tell us that story. How did your life change? And the messages that we have received have been phenomenal. So if you missed those, go to jamieivy.com slash encounter and you'll see all of those episodes there. Guys, stick around to the very end because Kara has something special just for you as a happy hour listener. Here's my conversation with Kara Powell. Kara, welcome to the happy hour. Oh, it's so good to be here, Jamie. This is so great. Now, you're a California girl. I am. And you came to Austin right now. We're in person. Yes. And I would m- want to make sure you don't look around at any real estate because we are not interested. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, California There's a people. Flood of Californians <laughs> coming to Austin. I know. I'm kidding. We love y'all. Well, but it's uh, beautiful here. It's so green. That's I what know. I think when I well, leave California. It's because it's been raining for 78 days this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Your own flood, huh? We've had a lot of rain this summer. Yeah. Um, okay, so introduce yourself to our listeners. What do you do? What do you do in 
California? Yeah. Well, first and most importantly, I'm married to my awesome husband, Dave, and we have three kids who are 20, 18, and 15 years old. And then for my job, I'm the chief of leadership formation at Fuller Seminary and the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute. Okay. A lot of youth stuff. I love I love young people, Jamie. I Have mean, you that, always? I graduated from high school in 1987, uh-huh. so people can do the math on how old I am. <laughs> right. And really since then, I have felt called and have had some very divine moments where God really specifically called me to work with young people. So when I drive by a middle school or a high school, I mean, this might sound a little weird, but like, I just want to watch them. I just oh. want to talk to them. Like... I who I cry over, who I pray over, who I most love spending time with are young people. Wow. Now, you spend a lot of time with young people because you have three teenagers. I do. And so how has that affected the work that you do? I mean, because sometimes I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I talk to moms and encourage them and, and I am no means you, I don't direct any kind of youth institute. You know, I'm just over here making podcasts. Well, you're living your own youth institute. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my own youth institute <laughs> yes, here. You exactly. can come and be a part of it if the you Jamie would like. Ivy Youth yes. Institute, yes. But sometimes I feel like, man, it's so easy to encourage and give great content. And then you get home sometimes and you're like, am I even doing this right? Yeah. Please tell me you've done that. Well, Kara. welcome to the club. Okay. I mean, I feel like I pray for wisdom more than anything else as a mom. I'm constantly, in fact, just on the drive here, I was praying for one of my kids and just saying, you know, Lord, show me how to talk to them about this. And what's interesting, Jamie, is when I've spent time with people who say their profession is young people, they're teachers, they're youth pastors, they work in nonprofits, whatever it might be, they often feel like they're better with other people's kids than they are their own kids because their own kids know how to push their buttons. 100%. They, they didn't empty the dishwasher yesterday. <laughs> they came home later than they were supposed to. Yeah. Homework's not done, whatever it might be. And so I think there's a lot of adults who work with kids professionally who feel a little guilty yeah, because at home they're tired and they're maybe not as empathetic as they are at work. So it's a challenge. I'm sure that it is. You know, I want to get to in a minute empathy because you talk about that in this new book, but this new book of yours that you co-wrote just released yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. Three big questions that change every teenager making the most of your conversations and connections. And I'll be honest with you, when I got the book, I was like, three, that's it. I mean, I've got teenagers, Kara. There are a million questions. <laughs> like 13 a day. How can there only be three? That's exactly what I thought. And so I know that you guys in your research had to go, and I don't know, the guy you wrote with Brad, does Brad he Griffin. have teenagers? Yes, he does. Okay, so you guys are parenting teenagers. Yes. You work with youth often. You know the millions of questions that they're yeah. asking yeah. all the time about yeah. themselves, about their peers, about life. How did you get down to three big questions. And, you know, uh, full disclosure, I read the book and you did a great job with the three questions. And that's exactly how it should be. But how did you get there? Yeah. Well, it started with a lot of research. The good thing about Fuller Seminary is we have a school of theology and mission and a school of psychology and marriage and family therapy. So you've got theologians and psychologists coming together to try to understand what's going on for all generations, but especially young people. So it started with a lot of research in terms of reading what's already been done. But then really my favorite part of this book process was spending time with actual young people. We surveyed over 2,000 of them, and then we did deep dive interviews with 27 of them 
from all over the country. And we actually skewed those 27 interviews. And when I say deep dive interviews, we spent four to six hours, three different sessions with uh, these young people. All these questions in the back? Yeah, those are the que- all you wrote the down interview all questions. The questions. Yeah, yeah, because we want parents, adults, mentors to have better conversations, right? So, so yeah, the book offers over 300 questions. But what was awesome, and Jamie, I know you're parenting kids of different ethnicities. Of the 27 kids, 20 were young people of color. Mm. So we on purpose skewed our sample. to young people of color. I'm white and raising three white children, but we wanted to understand as many dynamics as we could for as many kids as we could. Mm -hmm. Now, did you have these three, and we're going to get to the, everyone's like, what are the questions, Jamie? Because (laughs) (laughs) did you have these three particular questions previous to your interview, or did you do the interview and then you laid out all of your research and go, here's what they're really asking, these three questions? Great question. You want to join our research team? (laughs) That was really good, Jamie. I like that. Yes, actually, we started to see these three questions in a previous research project we did called Growing Young, which was studying 250 churches that aren't aging or shrinking across the U.S., but are doing amazing work with teenagers and young adults. And that's when we first started seeing the importance of empathy and the importance of how these churches were empathizing with these questions in particular. So that really was kind of our working hypothesis. But then when we went into these deep dive interviews, we tested that out. We asked a lot more questions. And it turned out that those three questions stood as what we think are the most universal pressing questions for young people. Wow, I'd never thought about it until you just said it just now about how churches, we can see if they're getting the young people and keeping them or they're just the older people are just growing older and older and older. Yeah. And would you say that with your research, it goes back to not being able to have these meaningful, thoughtful conversations with young people? Yeah. So the typical church in the U.S. is aging and or shrinking. That's the reality for most churches. And for those who aren't aging or shrinking, but are growing young, it boils down to warm relationships. As one senior pastor told us when we interviewed him, for young people today, warm is the new cool. And so it boils down for a church, the kind of relationships that you have. And we think you can have better relationships when you understand really what's important to young people. And that's these three questions. Wow. What do you mean when you say warm relationships? Yeah. You know, young people today, I mean, imagine being a young person today, especially millennials and Gen Z. So millennials, let's say, born 1980 to 2000, Gen Z born after 2000. I mean, our whole culture criticizes them. All the time. They're constantly judged, finger pointed, the problem with you. You know, when I ask audiences, what words do you hear to describe young people? Like the first 10 are always negative. (laughs) Lazy, entitled, snowflakes, can't take the heat, etc. I often have to say, okay, how about positive (laughs) terms that you hear for young people? And so You know, young people today, they're feeling constantly judged by adults and the adult institutions Mm. that are supposed to support them. And so a warm relationship is a relationship that doesn't judge, but journeys with a young person through their highs and lows as they figure out their faith, as they figure out their friendships, as they figure out their future. That's a lot of F words right there. (laughs) Faith, friendships, future, um, and family. There's There's another one. Yeah, I got it for you right here. I don't know that I want to title it your favorite F words. This is how you're going to get the young ones to come in. All the F words, guys. (laughs) They're making a lot of clicks. I'm not sure how many purchases, but a lot of clicks. 
So anyway, you know, we need adults like you and me and like your listeners to journey with this generation of young people instead of judge them. Wow. I think that that should be encouraging to someone that's listening, including myself and convicting a little bit as well. Do you think that the other previous generations have done this to the youth as well? Like I'm thinking back to like my dad who's 70. And so his dad would that generation have looked at them and been like, you have no idea what we went through to get you here. Is this a common generational thing or do you think it's worse now? Yeah. Well, it's always hard to compare generation to generation. Mm -hmm. So let me give you my impression that's not based in research. I actually think it is worse now because of technology. We didn't have this kind of technology that I think separates the generations a little bit more. I mean, I love how savvy young people are with technology. When I'm having a problem with my phone, I mean, who's the youngest one in the room? And I hand the phone to them. So I love how savvy young people are with technology. But I think it can create a bit more of an us against them Mm. mentality than we've had before. Now, I think technology should be a bridge builder, not a wall builder. So I think technology should be a bridge, not a wall and creative adults know how to do that. But I think because of that technology gap, the gap is likely a little bit wider Mm. with this generation. I'm trying to build bridges with my kids. I just got on the old Snapchat. Aren't you hip? Nobody come find me because I'm only friends with my kids (laughs) (laughs) because I'm not snapping much. But that was an example of me like, okay, you guys are going to do this. Also this morning, I went and got Chick-fil-A for Lindsay and I, and I was driving through and realized I didn't have my wallet. Uh And so I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I get to the window (laughs) and this sweetest little high school girl, I'm like, I don't have my wallet. She's like, do you have Apple Pay? And I was like, I think think my kids set that up on my phone. (laughs) I literally asked her, how do I do this? And she's like, you just put it right. And I was like, okay, thank you. So I was able to get our Chick-fil-A so the minus young Chick-fil-A my wallet. cashiers, thank you so much for helping thank us with you our for technology. Helping us women, moms with our technology. Yes. Okay, I want to dive into the questions since we're, we're setting the stage up Great. real quick. Uh, we're setting it up. So questions here are, who am I? Where do I fit in? And what difference can I make? Yeah, absolutely. We call those questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. Identity, belonging, belonging, and purpose. So I'll walk through them again. So identity is who am I? And, you know, we're all trying to figure that out. Belonging is where do I fit? It's our hunger for community. And purpose is what difference can I make? It's our desire to use our gifts to shape this wonderful world. Now, Jamie, you and I as people who are over 30, I'm going to assume you're over 30. Thank you for that. A little bit, maybe. 13 years over 30. Okay, 13 years over 30. And I'm even more than that over 30. We still wrestle with these questions ourselves. I mean, I think these are fairly human. 100%. Across generation questions. But for you and me, they're probably more at a low simmer. Whereas for teenagers and young adults, they're at this rolling boil. It's this constant developmental quest, really. To figure out my identity, my belonging, and my purpose. Mm. And you start the book with acknowledging what we said earlier in this podcast, that there are so many questions that yeah. teenagers are asking, yeah. and then boiling them down to these three. Okay, I want to do empathy. I had a conversation with someone just the other day around empathy, and I used the term sympathy instead mm. of empathy. Mm. And I thought I was being fair and right and good, and she kind of corrected me. Yeah. 
And even though it was me talking about being a black woman and I'm not a black woman. And so I use the word sympathy and she's like, I want you to use the word empathy. And I was like, I don't know. Because, yeah, right. Am I allowed to? Like, <laughs> well, because yeah. I just feel like I want to be fair. Yeah, and I'm not but black. Not. But she told me, but you are with us mm, in this fight. That's a huge affirmation, Jamie. Well, I was just like, if you say so, <laughs> because I didn't want to put that on me. But you talk about empathy in here. Oh, you said to listen to teenagers, empathy equals notice plus care. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about listening to teenagers and using that empathy because I think sometimes as parents, you know, the negative stuff you talked about that yep. we assume about these two generations, but I think sometimes as parents, we can get so caught up in, and I find myself doing this as like, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Who cares about that? But just like that understanding of our kids and listening. So talk yeah. to me about what it feels like for a teenager, A, to not have their parents listen to them, and yeah. B, how do we as parents engage more? Yeah. So one of my colleagues has this profound statement that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are the same. When he first said that, I typed it out. I've reflected on it so many times that I think any of your listeners and you and I can relate to this. When we're in a friendship or we're talking like this mm -hmm. with somebody we're just getting to know, when we feel like they really understand what we're going through, they're not dismissing us like it's tempting to do, say, when your kid has a boyfriend or girlfriend and it doesn't seem all that serious to you, but it's really serious to them. Like it's tempting to take it too lightly to kind of brush it off. But when we really look a young person in the eyes and they know that we are with them and we're feeling their pain, we're noticing and we're caring then that gives us an inroad that mm -hmm. is like no other. So whether you're a parent or a step parent or a grandparent, teacher, mentor, you know, whatever kind of relationship you're trying to build with a young person in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, at your favorite coffee shop, taking the time to really look them in the eyes, mm -hmm. ask them how they're doing, say, I'll pray for you. Follow up a week later yeah. and say, hey, I've been praying for you in this. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? That's a gift that young people are hungry for. And what I find with these three questions, including with my own teenagers at home, in fact, maybe even especially with my own teenagers at home, when I see them wrestling with something, and I, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like, why is this such a big deal right. to them? Why is there so much heat around this issue for them? When I stop and say, now, how are they looking for identity, belonging, and purpose? It's like wow. the penny drops. And all of a sudden, I understand the, the question that's behind the attitude and the actions that my teenager or a kid that I know is manifesting right at that moment. Okay, I have a question about that. But I also had a thought, like, you know, you hear people say all the time, like that teacher meant so much to me. Yeah. And I would bet it's because that teacher listened to them. Yeah, they don't remember much of what that teacher taught them. But they listened to them. Exactly. They remember how they felt about themselves when they were with that person. Mm -hmm. And it's usually the way the teacher paid attention to them, listened yeah. to them and took what they were going through seriously. Yeah. You know, I think about this and I'm like, I don't want to oversimplify this. This doesn't feel that difficult. Yeah. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, okay, so I have the opportunity, at least with the people who live in my house. I have five people that live in my house, including yeah. my husband. You mean I have the unique ability to make someone feel seen and loved just by listening to them? Yeah. Feels easy, but I know it's not. It feels simple, but it's not easy. Okay, there you go. That's yeah, better. It's simple, but it's not easy. But, you know, that's what's interesting if you look at research, like the best research on innovation these days 
It all says start with empathy. The best research on marriage, on parenting, on leadership, on ministry, on service, on justice, like that empathy. I'm glad our culture here in the U.S. is more and more saying empathy is important. Let's stop and practice empathy. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned when you had, you know, one of your own children, you know, you're trying to think, where is this coming from? And you look back and you think your identity, belonging, Belonging and purpose. purpose. So can you give us like an example in your own personal life without, I mean, you can change names and scenarios and dates. I don't know what you need to do, <laughs> yeah. but, or just help us out. How yeah. do you do that? When yeah. you see a teenager and you're like, what's the big deal? Yeah. How do you uncover those three things? Yeah. So I'll tell you a story from like two days ago, okay. literally one of my kids who shall remain nameless and I'll try to make them genderless <laughs> as much as possible. So I'll make it they, I'm not making a pronoun statement with that. I'm just trying to keep We're it here, anonymous. Yep. Okay. So uh, one of my kids was wrestling with whether or not to go to summer camp. And, you know, in our family, our kids have always gone to summer camp. Like it's a no brainer. In fact, it's a joke in my church. Like I'm the first parent to register kids for summer camp. Like they just go. But this child was wrestling with it. And so it turned out the reason why was because they didn't have any friends going from their cohort. So Uh it was that sense of belonging that was threatened. And so, you know, all of us as moms and stepmoms were like all texting each other, all trying to get, you know, a few of, of this grade and gender to go so that more would go, et cetera. And sure enough, some other girls, oh, I just revealed it. It's a girl. Uh, some other <laughs> girls started started signing up. And so Dave and I, my husband and I, we went to our daughter and like even our daughter's best friend was going. So we're like, this is great. Like, you know, yeah. so-and-so's going. And our daughter said, I still don't know if I want to go, which made no sense to us because here we thought she had been wrestling with belonging and now her questions about belonging are being met. There's all these right. wonderful girls who are going. And so like for a day or two, we're kind of wrestling with it with her. And so finally, I was on a one-on-one dinner with her and the mood felt right. And so I said, now, I'm just a little confused because like we thought once you had friends going to camp, you would then want to go. And she said, this is what she said. She said, well, I don't want to be the kind of kid who only goes to camp if my friends are going. So all of it, you know, like you're kind of chuckling, Jamie, I had to stop myself from chuckling because it was kind of Uh adorable and confusing at the same time. But it clicked for me like she had been wrestling with belonging. Those needs get met. But then it was an identity question. She didn't want to be the type of kid who only went to camp if her friends were going. So we were now I didn't say, oh, now you're wrestling with identity and before was belonging. But it helped me as a mom to have those categories in my head to affirm who she was in her identity. And sure enough, we signed her up for camp. She's going. It's all good. But again, things my daughter was saying and doing that didn't make sense to me. Oh, you're searching for belonging. Oh, you're searching for identity. It helped me as a parent so much. Understand journey with ask the right question. Mm. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. 
Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. You know, earlier when you correct me and said it sounds simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. This is one of those scenarios where you're saying this because I imagine a tired mom, a tired dad. Yeah. You're like, we're going to camp. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what's for dinner. Yeah. I don't care why you don't want to go. I'm yeah. signing you up. Yeah. That would be a response. If yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. But to take that time. Yeah. That's what I think it is. Well, and I will be honest in this particular case, I think summer camp is worth more than its weight in gold spiritually and relationally. So Dave and I had come to terms ourselves like this child is going to go to camp we want it to feel like it's her decision so let me be really clear like we push came to shove she was going to go to camp but she ended up making the decision on her own yeah so and so that what was very meaningful and i think she felt heard in the process we had some missteps Uh because especially when her friends were going we probably weren't as empathetic as we should have been because we didn't ask the right question but mm. then when I said, okay, so why is it now that your friends are going, you still don't want to go? That's when mm. she gave me this identity insight. I love so. it. We've, and my husband Aaron and I have started thinking through that more of like, we have a 17, 16, 15 and 13 year old. And especially for the 15 and under 17, I mean, it's like the weird thing that 
you're almost an adult and totally. we're almost kind of treating you like an adult. Yeah. And, but these other ones, you're not an adult. You've yep. got a couple of years. Yep. But we've tried really hard to give them the opportunity to make the decisions, even though we know what the answer is going to be. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. And I think that that takes work for a parent yeah. because you kind of have to loosen a little bit of grip. Yep. And help them get there on their own. Totally. Now, this book is faith-based. Yes. So we'll say that. And Yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus. And we think Jesus' answers to those identity-belonging questions are the best answers. Which is what I was going to ask you. You go through here, that's throughout the whole book of, you know, Jesus being that answer. Yeah. How would you encourage parents to not feel like they're Jesus juking? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because sometimes I just want to be like... As an adult, sometimes I even don't want to be Jesus juke. Yeah. Like I want to be listened to and yeah. I want to be pointed to the scriptures, but I don't want those trite answers yeah. of like, well, just trust Jesus, yeah. honey. And that is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a true statement. Yeah. But how do we as parents integrate Jesus yeah. into these ways yeah. without forcing and yep. without making it sound dumb to them. And without being greeted by eye rolling uh, exactly. and silence. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to have a talk about God and your kid <laughs> greets you with yes, exactly. silence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Brad Griffin, my co-author and I, since we're parenting teenagers and we're both youth leaders volunteer, we spend so much time talking to kids. And so we actually suggest a three-step conversation framework in the book. And it's three easy words. It's now, God, how? And so let's walk through those for a moment each. So now this is your empathy. This is where you really make sure that you understand what's going on. You hear, use the phrase, tell me more. That, by the way, is a great go-to phrase. I hope all of us put that in our, our hip pocket. And when, what you mean by that, that's the moment was like, how was school today? Good. Yeah. Well, tell me more, mm-hmm. you know, what, yeah. what, and then maybe ask a follow-up question. In fact, uh, didn't you say like the first question is not the most important? Yes. It's usually the second or the third question yeah. that really unleashes uh, more insight. So that now section, and I think the problem with us as parents, especially when we're tired, which is like all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As we rush through that now section. So I think what a lot of us need to do, what I need to do is take more time in the now section. Then when the mood feels right, then transition to somehow integrating faith, integrating Jesus, integrating, uh, you know, what it might look like to experience scripture and scripture's truth in the midst of this moment. So now God and then how can that young person then live it out? What could they do differently? What might it look like to to live this way at school tomorrow, at church on Sunday, whatever it might be? So now, God, how? And I think what most of us do is we skim over the now because we think the God part is the meat. We got to get here. We got to get there. Yeah. And, you know, Jim Rayburn, the founder of Young Life, used to say we have to earn the right to be heard. And that's true with all young people. Mm-hmm. There's the relational time that we invest. It's like investment in a bank account. Yeah. You got to put enough time in so that you're really heard. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely want every adult to talk about Jesus with young yeah. people. I want every young person in the U.S. to have an adult who loves Jesus talking to them about Jesus. But we have to take more time first to understand that. Say the three steps again. Yeah. Now, God, how? And how would be what that looks like to walk it out? Exactly. What would it look like to do this tomorrow? How could you handle this relationship a little bit differently? What's something you could say or do the next time X, Y, or Z happens? Yeah, I love the chart towards the end of your book where you have the questions that we've been talking about this whole time. Like, who am I? Where do I fit in? What difference do I make? Which is identity, belonging, purpose. And then you have answers that they would usually say. But then you switch to these Christ-centered answers, which is I'm enough because of Jesus. 
Jesus, I belong with God's people and I'm invited into God's greater story. Yeah. So I appreciated the story part yeah. in here about how do I make a difference. So talk about that a little bit about walking teenagers through this idea that you have this greater story yeah. that's in front of you, you that you get to be a part of. Yeah. So with the 27 young people that we interviewed, they were all youth group kids. I should say that they were nominated by youth pastors. We did that on purpose. We wanted to study kids of faith. And when we unpacked their current understanding of purpose, their current answers, and this is encouraging, they wanted to help other people. So uh, almost every single one of them talked about wanting to help other people. And many of them were practically doing so. And that was great. What concerned us wasn't that attitude, but it was the motivation for helping. And a lot of times it felt like they wanted to help other people because their parents or pastor wanted them to, because it would look good on the college application, et cetera. And, you know, doing the right thing without the right motivation Mm -hmm. only lasts so long. So what we want to help families, churches, and ministries do is is capitalize on this generation's hunger for purpose. Like that's the good so news. True. They yes. want to help. They want to be world changers. You know, a college chaplain once said to me that if you're a college sophomore and haven't started your own nonprofit, you're a little behind. <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. not literally true, but there's that spirit in mm-hmm. young people that's awesome. Yeah. But we want it to be grounded and fueled by a Jesus-centered motivation. Mm. So instead of thinking that somehow God's going to like us more if we serve, instead of trying you know, to be needed, and so that's why we're serving, we want to help all of us, but especially young people, understand that they're part of God's story. Or I actually had the chance to speak at my 12th graders baccalaureate such an honor. And this is exactly what I talked about, that you're part of God's bigger story. So figure out your page. Mm. And, you know, metaphorically, I think if you imagine God's got this great big book, biggest book we've ever seen, and each of us have a page and young people, there's maybe a paragraph written and they have so much more left to write. And they need adults like us to journey with them as mm. they keep writing those paragraphs. It's so encouraging. Um, as you've worked on this project, which you guys have had the chance to read this book and you're listening to this podcast, listening to Kara, and it's so good. And I think it's so good for anyone who's with teenagers. Yes. And I think that we yeah. can't stress that enough. Yeah. That this isn't, I wouldn't call this like a parenting book. It's not book. a parenting book. And Thank it's not you. just a, it's who did not you just write a, it for? Well, we wrote it for any adult who cares about kids so that any adult, uh, you know, we somewhat had in mind leader, mentor, parent. I mean, they were certainly in our mind and there's sure. specific sections and tips for that particular demographic. But really, it was any adult who wants to know what to do and what to say around the young people they care about most. It's so good. And there's sections in here for the youth leader, for the families, all those type of things. How has this book, I want to ask you two questions. How is working on this project and and interviewing these teenagers and doing the research, uh, how has it affected your own parenting? Yeah. And how has it affected just you as a follower of Jesus? Yeah. So, you know, I would say, because what it's taught me about following Jesus, this has often become clear while parenting. So the two go together for me in this a lot. So I've come to understand my own identity, belonging and purpose journey. And this is what we encourage every adult, parent, pastor, leader, mentor, teacher, to understand how they're doing in those issues and to keep growing to Jesus's best answers for them too. So of the three, identity, belonging, purpose, we think most people often have kind of a leading question that drives them a little bit more. And for me, it's the identity question. And who am I? And I really struggle with shame and not feeling like I'm enough, which is what we heard from young people, too. That was one of their most dominant answers. Young people don't feel popular enough, smart enough for young people of color, black enough, Latino enough. For me, 
it doesn't manifest in in my work life, but in my personal life. Mm. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough wife. And what's challenging is my not good enough mom gets triggered by my kids and their own quest for identity, belonging, and purpose. So let me give you an example. This is so common. Our own issues yes. are, are catalyzed by what our kids say and do and how we feel hurt, a little rejected, whatever it might be. So our 18-year-old, her primary quest is for belonging. Mm -hmm. She's an off-the-chart extrovert. She loves having people over. She loves being with people, et cetera. And so about a month ago, she had been gone like four days in a row. I mean, she slept at home and we saw her a little bit, but we hadn't had a meal together. We hadn't really connected. And so I said, you know, Chris, it really feels like you're gone a lot. And I said, how about if you stay home a little bit more? We'd love to have dinner with you a little bit more, et cetera. And she felt like her belonging was threatened. And so she's like, but mom, I want to hang out with my friends. And when she says that, then I feel like, oh, my daughter doesn't want to be with me. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad mom. And so I'm threatening her hunger for belonging. And by her pursuit of belonging, it's triggering my insecurities and identity. And so luckily we were able and praise God, we were, I didn't bring up the terms identity, belonging, and purpose. I have in other cases, believe me, (laughs) with my kids. In fact, it's great dinner conversation. But at that particular moment, I didn't. I just said, oh, you know what? When you pursue your friends, that makes me feel like you don't want to be with me. And how did she react to that? She was very affirm. And she's like, no, mom, I totally want to be with you. And then she actually initiated like, how about this schedule? Mm-hmm. And I'll be home for the next three dinners, et cetera. Yeah. But I had to lead in vulnerability and say that, you know, when you do this, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like yeah. I'm not a good mom, yeah. which was, I think it's important for her to hear. It's important for me to recognize mm-hmm. and important for her to hear. Yeah. So, Which then you have to go to all the things you talk about and hear about how you are enough because of Jesus. Which is not because of dinner time. Totally. And my enoughness cannot be based on how my 18 year old treats me. Because that that can fluctuate, right? And that's hard. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's been said that, you know, how you feel as a parent is totally correlated to how you're feeling about how your kids relate to you. And I mean, one of my biggest prayers is that my kids want to be with me. Like, I want to have a lifelong friendship. And for my kids to know I'm a safe place, I want all that. I just can't have my identity built on that. Which is the answer to your second question about how has identity, belonging, and purpose changed my own faith and formed me. And one of my 10 daily prayers for myself is that I will know that Jesus makes me enough, Mm. that Jesus makes me more than enough. And if I'm ever feeling heat about an issue, it's normally because I'm feeling inadequate. I feel like I don't measure up. Again, usually parenting and marriage. It's tempting. I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm tempted to work, like Mm -hmm. get me to my laptop when I'm feeling it. Let me send a few emails. Uh That makes me feel better. And I'm trying to discipline myself to not do that, but to feel the feelings and say, uh, you know, this feeling is real, but Jesus makes me more than enough and to to meditate in that. So, yeah, our research has changed my understanding of the gospel and Jesus, too. So. Isn't it interesting how people, you know, this book and this conversation, like you said, anyone who's working with teenagers, isn't it funny how us trying to learn how to love them better and learn how to listen better and Mm -hmm. learn how to encourage better, that God could use that to actually motivate and push us further to really believing that he loves us as well. Totally. Well, I feel like parenting has, that's been a theme for me. I remember when 
when our oldest was first born and he was lying on a blanket next to me and he was, he was maybe two months old and he couldn't accomplish anything, mm-hmm. you know, not one thing other than cry and yeah. eat and poop. And, yep. you know, that was that's about it. it. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's about all he does. And I just thought, I love this child so much and that that's God's unconditional love for us. Mm. So I think parenting is one of our best formation opportunities. Yeah. Like it's constant curriculum for us. If we pay attention, if we don't suppress yeah. those feelings, if we yeah. take the time, journal, maybe even talk to therapists about it, spiritual direction, etc. And identity, belonging and purpose has really, really been game changing for me and saying, okay, I'm hungering for belonging. Mm-hmm. If I feel insecure in a friendship, what's going on in my hunger for yeah. belonging? If mm-hmm. I'm feeling insecure interactions at work, oh, how is that threatening my sense of purpose? So identity is definitely the leading yeah. one for me, but belonging and purpose come to play yeah. also. Well, this is such good stuff, Kara. I want to ask you this last question and hope that you can encourage us, all of us that are that have messed up. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, so much of parenting or, or mentoring or leadership or, or being an aunt or a teacher, there are moments when you either miss an opportunity or you literally bomb an opportunity. Yeah. The opportunity was there. Yeah. You just did the worst thing you could possibly do. Totally. We've all done that. Yeah. And that could lead us to shame and guilt yeah. and I can never do better. Which, because of the gospel, we know is not true. That is not who we are, and there are new mercies every day. But what is your encouragement to that person who right now is feeling like, okay, this is awesome. I have done a terrible job of this with whoever I'm leading. Yeah. Well, first off, the good news is that Jesus is the Savior, not us. And so every one of us is going to make mistakes every day. We are sinners saved by grace. All of us love dysfunctionally. Like there's no such thing as, uh, you know, a family that's dysfunctional. We're all dysfunctional to some degree. And so, you know, part of what I've learned in our research is the power of apologizing, the power of apologizing. I remember when we were doing some exemplar research where we were interviewing amazing parents and I called one dad of, of, three teenagers and young adults in the Midwest. And I said, you know, well, it's time for your hour long interviews now. A good time. And he said, oh, I don't know. I've had to apologize to all three of my girls in the last 48 hours. And I said, that's exactly why we want to talk to you. Uh, So being quick to apologize. So with that summer camp story, there's one detail I left out. And that was I had actually registered my daughter for summer camp because I was afraid they were going to run out of spaces. It usually happens. Summer camp fills. And so I said to my husband, I think we should register just in case. And he agreed. I registered her. And she saw the list with her name on it. One of our well-intentioned church staff showed her the list. And so she came to me and said, Mom, did you register me for summer camp? And I said, I paused and I said, Yeah, I did, because I was afraid we were going to run out of spaces. And she was understandably frustrated by that. She's like, Mom, it's my decision. I didn't even know. That wasn't really fully her decision. But she said that, and I didn't bother to correct her at the moment. And so I looked her in the eye, and I said, you're totally right. I'm so sorry. I should not have registered you without talking to you. And the way that I so wholeheartedly apologized was trust building. Mm -hmm. I think if I hadn't apologized, if I had made little of it, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. I think that would have been trust eroding. Mm -hmm. But the way that we apologize to young people actually can bring us closer to them. Mm -hmm. And just like it does with God, right? When we experience Jesus's forgiveness, we feel closer to God. We have a new sense of our salvation. The same is true with young people. When we apologize, And when they forgive us, then we're that much closer to Mm. them. 
it takes away from that old kind of parenting mantra of it is just what I say, oh. nothing matters. Yeah. Which I can fall into that real easily because yeah. four kids, like I don't have all the time in the day to explain everything I'm right. doing for you. I mean, like it just it is you what just it is. Trust me and go. Come with on, it. Now, people. Right. It is what it is. Uh-huh. But there are those moments, like you said, where I can look back and see the intentionality and how that changed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I find out of our research, I find myself apologize easily at least once a week. I apologize to at least one of my kids. And in fact, when our kids were younger, and I encourage this, especially for parents of of elementary age, that was a standard dinner conversation. Like, what mistake did you make today? Because we wanted our family to be a place where we could talk about mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, if I ever couldn't think of one, one of my kids would (laughs) usually have a list. Well, mom, here's what you did. And you messed up on the soap dispenser (laughs) and you forgot to get the detergent from the grocery store, whatever it might be. So yeah, it's never too early to start thinking about identity, belonging and purpose and talking about mistakes and asking our family for forgiveness. It's so good. Well, Kara, three big questions that change every teenager, making the most of your conversations and connections. I cannot recommend it enough Mm, to anyone that's listening that sees a teenager ever in their lifetime (laughs) because this is a book that you're going to want to get your hands on. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because... The charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right. I would love to know, what are you reading and what are you loving these days? Yeah. Well, I'm reading a lot of books about racism and anti-racism these days. So Because? Just just for own personal? Well, I'm in an anti-racism book club. Okay, got it. And so we're a group of women who are reading all sorts of things about race. So my favorite book in the last few years is The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. I love having people over to my house, especially now that the pandemic's waning, I think we could say. We love having people over in our backyard, around the fire pit. And then I do a lot of gatherings for work too, whether it's 10 people or whether it's 100 people at a summit. And the art of gathering has changed the way that I think about gatherings. Everything from how you give a name to a gathering to defining the purpose for the gathering to how you invite people. I think it goes along with your book, Kara, with the identity, the belonging and the purpose. So when our 12th grader just graduated, like I got the book out again, flipped through it again, and then it, it definitely influenced how we talked about and planned her graduation party. Who was going to come? What was the purpose of it? What kind of prayer did we want to have? What kind of pictures did we want to take? And all of that is true for my work environment too. In fact, our whole team at the Full Youth Institute who works on events have all read that book. So The Art of Gathering, Priya Parker, it's a must. If you like having people over, it's a must. The Ivies do. So I'm going to get this book. You're going to like it. For sure. For sure. Well, what are you loving? You know, this summer I've gotten really into key lime yogurt. 
So my husband's doing our grocery shopping these days. And normally he does the strawberry yogurt, peach yogurt, more typical fruit flavors. But he's been getting some key lime. And that's like my go to dessert treat now. Key lime yogurt. I'm not a key lime fan. I wasn't until recently. And now it's really grown on me. Okay, there you go. Well, Kara Powell, seriously, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this work. Thank you for this conversation. It's going to make me a better parent. And I hope for the listener, like I said, if you've ever seen a teenager before, (laughs) you should grab this book and read it. Uh, Thanks for coming on that. Oh, my pleasure and honor. Thanks, Jamie. Guys, I hope you loved that conversation as much as I did. I loved it as a mom for sure, but I also loved it just as someone who also has other relationships and encounters with teenagers. And it challenged me to really try to be more empathetic when I'm having conversations with my teenagers and to dive into what are they feeling right now? Is this about their identity, their belonging, or their purpose? The book that she co-wrote that we talked about today, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, I highly recommend it. If you want to get it, the link is in our show notes. Go get it wherever you get books on Amazon. It just released yesterday. Also, she wanted me to let you know that we have some great resources just for you as the happy hour listeners, including 40 conversation starters that are not in the book. And I'm telling you, these conversation starters can be a lifeline for those family dinners or those car rides where you're wanting to have a meaningful conversation with your teenager. Go to three, the number three, three big questions slash happy hour to get those resources. And because we didn't have time to get to it in this interview, we talk about technology and these three big questions with our teenagers. And Karen and I recorded a short video. You can find it on YouTube or over on my Instagram, which is at Jamie Ivy, where we talk about how does technology play into this identity, belonging, and purpose that we're trying to talk with our teenagers about. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour Podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story we get to share with you, encouragement we get to give to you, and opportunities we get to point us all to Jesus through these conversations. If you're loving this show, we'd appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. If you share it on Instagram, tag me. I'm at Jamie Ivy. In fact, come find me in all the other places on the internet. I love Instagram and we have been having fun posting videos over on YouTube as well. Ever wish that you could see the person that I'm talking to? Well, come find us on YouTube and you can. But continue to join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversation that make us think deeper, make us laugh harder, and always point us to Jesus. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. members save on meeting up with friends save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups that's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier plus members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods plus when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship start a show together with your included paramount plus subscription walmart plus members save on this plus so much more start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com paramount plus a central plan only separate registration required see walmart plus terms and conditions